0: Welcome to the ASHP Official Podcast, your guide to issues related to medication use, public health, and the profession of pharmacy. Thank you for joining us today for this episode of ASHP's Practice Journeys podcast. This podcast invites members to share their stories about their professional path, lessons learned, and how their experiences shaped who and where they are today. My name is Elizabeth Cherry, and today we'll be chatting with Rebecca Yon and Nisha Shaw from Vanderbilt Specialty Pharmacy about their unique roles and how their roles impact the overall development of our specialty pharmacy. Thanks for joining us today. Becky, Nisha, thank you so much for joining us as well, and thank you for your willingness to provide your unique perspective as it relates to VSP. I would like to begin with introductions, if that's okay. So Becky, we'll start with you. Please introduce yourself and tell us about your current role.
1: Sure, Liz. Thanks for allowing us to present today. My name is Becky Yawn. I am currently the program director for Vanderbilt Specialty Pharmacies Department of Quality and Performance Improvement. And my job currently entails kind of managing our accreditations and anything related to compliance, quality, safety, anything along that line. Great. Anisha? Yeah, Anisha
2: Shaw here. Um, I am a research and strategy pharmacist on the health outcomes and research team with Vanderbilt Specialty. My role kind of has two buckets. I partly focus on research, which is designing and executing health outcomes research studies, and I mentor our pharmacists through that process. And then a second component is focused on strategy, where I work to foster impactful partnerships with manufacturers, payers, physicians, to both internal and external stakeholders to engage in research collaborations. Great. Well, I think these are
0: super unique roles in specialty pharmacy, definitely ones that not every specialty pharmacy has. So, I'd really like to know, how did your past experience lead you to where you are today in your current role? Becky?
1: So, I graduated pharmacy school a while back in 2000, back when I think specialty pharmacy was probably just starting to get get, um, some momentum behind it. I did start out my career in long-term care um, for several years and then did a few few years with a PBM specialty pharmacy and then transitioned over to the health system specialty pharmacy. Just learned a lot of, of different roles in pharmacy. I mean, when you're in pharmacy school, I think that, you know, the big areas, inpatient pharmacy for hospital, and then like outpatient retail pharmacy, That those are the kind of two big areas. Um, but there's so many more things that you can do in the field of pharmacy. And it just, it, it kind of takes a little work to delve in and just investigate stuff like that. So being in long-term care, that that definitely brought a different perspective. But then once I went went to work for the PBM specialty pharmacy and saw that operation, it was just very enlightening. And I kind of, kind of knew that was where I wanted to be. And then had the opportunity to come work for Vanderbilt. Um, I actually came to work for Vanderbilt as a clinical pharmacist in one of our rheumatology clinics when we were just starting the program and um, got to work with it, you know, at, at the ground level and up. So being able to, you know, work in that clinic operationally provided a lot of background for being able to now develop you know, policies and procedures and work with other people to, to just excel our program. And it helps tremendously that um, we have a very good team of people now with us to, to make all of this work.
2: All right, Nisha, how about you? Yeah, so I guess if you had told me I'd end up in research when I was a pharmacy student, I would have said you were lying. I would not have believed you, but I started my career, I did a postdoc fellowship after pharmacy school, and then I stayed on with the pharmaceutical industry working in key opinion leader engagement. And so in terms of formal research training, I had none when I took this role. And I guess that's good news for those of you out there that are interested in research and maybe have never really delved into it. I gained a lot of those skills in my current role, but The second part of my job, which is fostering relationships and the strategy component, I definitely gained a lot of that experience from my previous role and a lot of the skill sets that you kind of need there with communication and presentation and as well as like sort of a business mindset on things outside of some of the technical aspects of research A lot of what I do is kind of understanding the why and why, you know, why is outcomes research important and how can we use it to communicate the value of our integrated model? And to kind of look at things through that lens, I think having a background such as myself was really, really helpful and helped me gain some skills that we don't necessarily get exposed to during our formal schooling. Awesome. Well,
0: I think you guys have both had some pretty unique experiences. Um, in your past. But for those listening, I know, you know, specialty pharmacy is developing continually, changing how you, how and when and where you can get into a role in specialty pharmacy. So can you guys elaborate a little bit on what pathways you believe that one could take to get into your role or how, how they could set them up to best pursue a role like yours?
1: Sure, Liz. I know when when we have students that that rotate through or we have residents that come through, a lot of times when they when they come and and sit and meet with me and and I go over kind of what I do on a high level and then sometimes you know on a day to day detailed level, most of the time they're just they can't even imagine that I do what I do, but somebody has to do it and and they realize that, but they're like, I didn't even realize really that this position existed and for a lot of places. What my position entails is is sometimes encompassed by multiple people, and there's no right or wrong way to do that. I mean, we've had tremendous success with me leading this front for our organization, um, and I do have a technician that works with me to help with my duties. But we also do partner with other institutions and collaborate where they have multiple people kind of doing what I do singularly. So there's really no one-size-fits-all thing for this. I will say that I think that my path has helped me understand um, a lot about specialty pharmacy operations, being that I was actually a clinical pharmacist for a PBM specialty pharmacy and then a, a clinical pharmacist in a health system specialty pharmacy. So I was actually doing all of this work before I was making sure that we were compliant doing all of this work or you know, a drafting a uh, policy or an SOP around some of the things that we do. Um, to me, that's been very helpful to be able to, to know the details of the operation, um, but that's, you know, some people may be able to walk in and and do this with, with not much experience in specialty pharmacy. It may just take a little bit more time, but um, if you think about it, I mean, I don't know every process that goes on. So there's a lot of times that I have to defer to like the, um, the content expert and then we have to kind of partner together and walk through how to um, how to build a procedure or build a policy or make a process become compliant with um, with standards. So there are multiple pathways that that one could take to get into this role. And I think a lot of it is just, you know, getting out there and having work experience and then finding these unique roles and and determining, hey, this this is what I want to do.
2: Nisha, what about you? Yeah, so I think the exciting part about our group is that we have really diverse experiences. So thinking about one clear pathway, I would say, you know, there really isn't one. It's it's kind of, you can come at it from many different ways. We currently have, I'm one of three pharmacists on our team. So our program director, Autumn Zuckerman, is a pharmacist and her background is a PGY one and two Residency and then she was a clinic based pharmacist before she became our program director. Um, we have a second pharmacist, uh, Kristen Welchel, who is also has completed a community based residency and then has experience in retail and um, the outpatient setting before becoming a specialty pharmacist and is now um, our health outcomes and research pharmacist as well. And then, like I said myself, you know, I went down the pharmaceutical industry route. So I think the encouraging thing about that is that you there's outcomes research everywhere. And I think, you know, picking the pathway that resonates most with you, picking the career and the practice setting that really speaks to you and then gaining research experience along the way. Um, I think being a practicing pharmacist in whatever setting you're in, you're gonna have some exposure to outcomes. You might just come at it from a different lens or a different perspective. But I think you can bring that into a role like myself and, and really understand why is this important and, and how do we measure it and, and what really is gonna resonate when, when I do an outcomes research study. So, long answer short is I think that it's many different pathways and in all of them as well. So yeah I think you guys made great points it's It's just
0: one of my favorite things about specialty pharmacy is just the continual development and evolution of specialty pharmacy and as that happens, positions such as yours have become necessary and very valuable. so as we grow and as expand as a specialty pharmacy i'm I'm excited to see how your positions change and and evolve as well. So kind of want to dive a little bit deeper into um these individual areas just so we can get some more background and on how um, each of your roles work in particular. So we'll start with our compliance or uh, quality improvement, quality and performance improvement section. So Becky, I have a few questions specifically for you. First one I'll start out with is what does it mean to be compliant in specialty pharmacy? I think we all know that that's an important thing but we may not know exactly what that involves. So can can you just share a little bit about that with us?
1: Sure. First of all, compliance is, is usually a scary word for most people, and I like to tell our staff that I don't necessarily want to tell you no, but sometimes I have to tell you no. So, but I think they've done a good job in in being open with me when they have they have issues, and so that helps tremendously when they when they bring stuff to me, you know, to work through. But compliance for pharmacy in general, you know, can cover many areas. You think about it, you know, just as a retail pharmacist, you know, you have to be compliant with the State Board of Pharmacy. You know, you go through inspections and, and and dealings with the State Board of Pharmacy and their rules and regulations. You also have federal regulations, you know, like the Controlled Substance Act that you have to be compliant with. Pharmacists and technicians both, you know, we have continuing education requirements that we have to maintain And then, you know, as well, and especially like for a retail pharmacy, there's payer, PBM or manufacturer related um, requirements um, or REMS requirements. So, I mean, from a general pharmacy perspective, there's a lot of different areas of compliance. When you get into a specialty area, say specialty pharmacy or like a mail order pharmacy or infusion pharmacy, um, you can also add on top of that um, compliance with accrediting bodies such as URAC or ACHC or uh, TJC. Yeah,
0: thanks for that overview. It's, that's a daunting list to me, but I'm so thankful for positions like yours that can kind of help manage that. But I'm kind of wondering, too, why do specialty pharmacies have to be accredited? What, what's the importance there?
1: It is very important for us to be accredited. You know, we in specialty pharmacy like to say that we're quote unquote special and hence the name, but specialty pharmacies are providing individualized care to patients with complex diseases. While we also navigate issues such as cost, financial burden, feasibility, medication access, meaning, you know, do we need a prior authorization for medication? Do we have to go through a step therapy process? Is this a limited distribution drug? Are we a network pharmacy? We have complex coordination of medication storage and delivery, most of these medications are um, temperature sensitive. So, you know, getting these medications to patients um, is challenging sometimes. There's complex administration of medication. You know, most of these products are either infusions or injectable products. Um, we are starting to see a lot more by mouth medications, especially like in oncology space and stuff like that. But then just the unique management of the patient as a whole. Um, most of the time, these disease states are all encompassing when it, when it comes to impacting the patient's life and their quality of life. So it's just, it takes the practice of pharmacy kind of to another level. And due to these unique aspects of providing care for specialty patients and ensuring that our operations are efficient and that we observe the highest quality standards, accreditation serves to recognize the pharmacies that meet these established expectations as well as highlight our excellence and innovation in the practice. And I think as a whole, specialty pharmacy does strive to always be on the leading cutting edge of the best ways to do things. But at the end of the day, too, a lot of the payers and PBMs do require that you are you know, accredited by either one or uh, multiple accrediting agencies. And that's just a standard that they can, they can put up your pharmacy against another pharmacy. So we like to think that it makes us better. I definitely do. So hopefully that answered the question. Yeah, absolutely. So
0: you mentioned a lot of different areas in which we have to be compliant. How do you stay up to date on all of these requirements?
1: That's a really good question too. And, and it's, it's not a single answer. Um, and I will say it's not an individual answer. It very much takes a team. It takes our team of leadership in our specialty pharmacy, our pharmacist, some of the extended department of pharmacy team as well. Obviously I I manage our accreditations, so the one that that people come to when they have a question about a standard or or whatnot like that. But I work closely with, we have a contracting legal department within our our pharmacy. I work closely with them, especially when it comes to issues um, Board of Pharmacy rules and regulations or federal regulations. I also work closely with them for payer agreements because they're they're always reading through these and, and making sure that that the people that need to be involved in the contracting process are involved so we can be compliant with those agreements. Like I said, it is a lot, but there there's several ways that you can do it. I mean, you know, obviously with the accreditation standards and everything, you do have an account manager with those those entities and, and you do communicate with them you get requests to to be on advisory committees or serve on, on panel discussions. You know, you sign up for listservs to get notified of changes or updates. Um, that's kind of the same with the Board of Pharmacy updates and, and whatnot like that. But one of the biggest things too is, is being available to staff. You know, our clinical pharmacists, our, our pharmacy technicians, to let them know if they encounter a situation that they they're unsure about or that they think maybe you know maybe this is a compliance or a regulatory issue or quality or safety if issue i need to i need to bring in our our compliance person and i tell you that's a lot of times how i get get a lot of the alerts is just other staff members saying hey i was in clinic today and heard xyz do you know what's going on and you know Hopefully most of the time I do know what's going on, but sometimes it's like, no, let me check that out. And we start researching stuff, but it definitely, I can't emphasize this enough. It definitely takes a team to make this work. Thanks, Becky,
0: for all that input and the overview of of your position. I can speak firsthand to the value that you bring to our team and also just am very thankful for keeping us in line with all of these different regulations and requirements. So appreciate, appreciate that. Nisha, I want to dive into your role as well. So I have a few questions for you too. First off, who are the major collaborators or stakeholders that you work with internally and externally?
2: That's a great question. So internally, we work with a lot of different groups within Vanderbilt. We work with the biostatistics that is part of the medical center to help us um, design and analyze our studies accurately. We work with our physician collaborators, so we're, you know, integrated in in all these specialty disease state clinics, and we definitely like to include the physicians on our outcomes research work, either to get their insights or to get their, you know, their clinical expertise We work with students and learners across the board, so residents, uh, medical and pharmacy students and fellows. And we work with a group called VICTOR, which is the Vanderbilt Institute for Clinical and Translational Research. And they are an amazing resource. They have experts to help you with pretty much every aspect of a study. And so those are pretty much uh, our major internal collaborators. Externally, I would say we, we work with every other partner in the healthcare industry. So we work with the pharmaceutical industry or drug manufacturer often. We try to engage with payers as well as um, other health system specialty pharmacies. So we definitely see ourselves in line with other health system specialty pharmacies, and we definitely try to work together. Um, We've created a research consortium for, for all of the health system specialty pharmacies to try to connect and show our data as a collective. um, And I think that adds a lot of power to to what we're saying. So yeah, those are pretty much our our major external collaborators as well. Awesome. Well, I know,
0: looking back at the evolution of the outcomes team over the years. When we first started, it was more of like a voluntary basis and and it's really evolved to the team that you mentioned earlier today. Could you elaborate on the expansion of the outcomes team since initiation and how VSP uses outcomes research to demonstrate value?
2: Yeah, so those are both great points. Exactly right. We started largely as a volunteer effort. Um, Our leadership kind of in 2015 recognize the need for outcomes research data in a lot of these stakeholder conversations. And so we had a couple of clinic-based pharmacists that would work together and and work with learners on outcomes research efforts in their spare time. I mean, how they ever had any, I don't know, but they worked it in there and, and developed an outcomes committee to sort of guide the outcomes research efforts. And then in 2016, I think we realized we needed a lot of training and expertise that we don't necessarily have as clinical pharmacists. And so we started all those internal collaborations that I discussed with biostats, with the library to help us understand, you know, how do you perform a good literature search? How do you write an effective scientific paper? We work with Victor a lot to help us design our studies and, you know, to tackle issues like randomization for some of our more involved efforts And we also formalized our student research program. So this is a great opportunity for any students listening right now. You know, we have a student research program where we work with the three local schools of pharmacy to recruit students um, on our projects. And so that effort largely began in 2016 as well. And then 2017 is actually when my position was created. So it was a temporary position at the time for an outcomes research pharmacist. And so... That's sort of when I joined. And at that point, our current program director, Autumn Zuckerman, kind of realized, you know, we really need a dedicated team if we're going to do this effectively and efficiently. And, you know, we've, we had already demonstrated the value of the studies we were completing. And so we, she requested um, three dedicated positions at that time, a program director, a project manager, and then my role becoming a permanent position as a research pharmacist. And so those three were actually approved and put into effect 2018, and it was a super exciting year for us. We became an official department of three, and we worked like that for a bit. Fast forward to present day, we're now a team of five. We just last year got an approval for program managers, so it was, we're getting more funded studies That role will help us with uh, grants management as well as our social media presence. So we have an outcomes website and uh, we started a Twitter account. So just keeping us kind of on the cutting edge of some of that cool stuff. And then we also have a second research pharmacist who focuses on patient care improvement. So we've completed a lot of work. We've, We've got some great data. Now, how do we take that and use it to improve our practice and kind of, you know, come full circle back to, you know, how can we make outcomes even better? So, yeah, today, that's that's sort of where we're standing. I think we'll only grow from here.
0: Absolutely. I completely agree. So I think it's important too, and and very interesting to know kind of where the team's head is at with outcomes research. and, And I think the best way to to demonstrate that to everyone listening to the podcast is by asking what your priorities are, what research studies are, are really important? What are, what's the future? What are we looking at as a team here at Vanderbilt?
2: Yeah. So we meet annually to kind of set our priorities. And in that conversation, we take into account, you know, what's happening in the industry as well as what are our business priorities? Where does our department kind of need to go? where are there certain gaps um, in literature? And so for for this upcoming year, a couple of our priorities is definitely the payer value story. So focusing on what's going to resonate with a payer, what's going to demonstrate that we bring value to them as an integrated model. And so kind of the answer there is total cost of care, looking at pharmacy and medical spend, as well as making sure that we're appropriately utilizing, you know, these high cost specialty medications. And so we have a couple studies going on. One is looking at exactly that total cost of care for non-VSP versus VSP patients, uh, looking at the pharmacy and medical benefit. And then we also have a study focused on medication waste avoidance because that's, you know, obviously also a cost. So in the oncology space, often what you see happening is that Patient will get issued a refill and then they'll come in to see a provider and their either medication dose has changed or the medication has changed completely. And now that most recent refill is a waste because they can't use it. And so kind of implementing a process where when we check in with a patient, we're asking if they have enough medication on hand and if they have an upcoming office visit to kind of uh, push back that refill until after that office visit so we can make sure that they're getting the most current therapy uh, dispensed to them and hoping to see that there's some cost savings um, in terms of waste avoidance. Another one of our priorities is tailored monitoring. So That's speaking more to the pharmaceutical industry and, and, you know, it's going to become, in my opinion, more and more important as we see some of these rare diseases popping up, Um, you know, tailoring an already high touch model to a specific drug and to a specific patient. So if it's a rare disease state or even if it's not a rare disease state, you know, sometimes you see specific drug effects at specific time points. And if you can have an interaction with the patient say at day six to help talk about a side effect they might be experiencing and help mitigate that side effect that could help that patient get the best outcome on therapy, stay on therapy, be able to tolerate it, um, have it be a safe and effective long-term treatment. And so a couple of our studies are focused on that tailored monitoring approach and taking our integrated model kind of to the next level. And as I mentioned earlier, we are working with other health system specialty pharmacies for outcomes research studies. So we are focusing our efforts on kind of bringing all of our data together. We've recently completed a study in adherence in the RA space and are focused next on MS and kind of that project is underway, but kind of leading the effort and making sure that we are empowered as a group within the healthcare industry to kind of voice our value. Perfect. Well, there's
0: no doubt um, the value that you guys are providing for VSP and then also just your ability to move forward the profession of specialty pharmacy. So excited to see what you guys have coming up and the studies that you produce. So thank you, Nisha, for that overview. And as we wrap it up today, um, I just have a final question for each of you, and I'll just start with you again, Becky, but what piece of advice would you give to a student or a resident that wanted to pursue a role like yours?
1: Sometimes that's a little hard to answer just because it, at least my role is, is very non-traditional. I mean, you don't, there's not too many of us around. I mean, even in inpatient pharmacy, you have um, usually... A, Pharmacist that is over the compliance department of the pharmacy, but I guess just be open to to other opportunities that are around you. I mean, if you would have asked me, you know, ten years ago, would I be doing this? I I probably wouldn't even have known that this would have had existed. But as I evolved in my career and I started figuring out the parts of specialty pharmacy that I enjoyed the most, which was you know making sure that we were doing things at a high quality level, you know, making sure that, that we met X, Y, and Z uh, standard, or that we were following this policy or this process, that kind of drove, drove me to what I do today. And that coupled with being an open communicator within our team, you know, you, you're always having to collaborate with other areas, whether that be legal contracting, you know, the main hospital compliance department or a privacy office or something like that, as well as external people as, as well. So uh, networking is key because there's no way that you can know everything. So you have to kind of know somebody that does know what you need to know and quote unquote, phone a friend, I guess you could say, but just don't, if you get into an area of pharmacy that you're not, you know, extremely happy with, just know that there are other options out there and You know, what you're currently doing may evolve into another role at some point in time.
0: Thanks, Becky. Nisha, what piece of advice do you have for our listeners?
2: I think I would echo uh, what Becky said in that just staying open, um, keeping your ear to the ground for new opportunities and for getting as much exposure to outcomes research as you can. I, I believe that it's happening around you, wherever your practice setting is. And so kind of just connecting with it, understanding um, its value and really figuring out what opportunities you have to build on your skill sets. And I think that, you know, your career path will kind of lead you that way.
0: All right. Well, that's all the time we have today. I want to thank Rebecca Yan and Nisha Shaw for joining us to discuss their unique roles within specialty pharmacy. Thanks again for tuning into this session of the Practice Journey podcast created by the section of Specialty Pharmacy Practitioners. We hope you enjoyed today's conversation and be sure to subscribe to ASHP podcast through your favorite podcast provider. Thanks.
1: Thank you for listening to ASHP
0: Official, the voice of pharmacists advancing healthcare. Be sure to visit ashp.org forward slash podcast to discover more great episodes, access show notes, and download the episode transcript.